0: Hello, this is Brooke Pernice with good books, true stories, beautiful songs. Now let every tribe and nation hear the great works of the Lord, and let all who seek salvation sing his praises with one accord. One of my favorite aspects of studying the Bible is called typology. Typology, in a very oversimplified definition, is any character or event or institution that points to Jesus Christ. Or, more broadly, to God's saving patterns throughout history. One of the most common themes throughout Scripture is the Exodus. The Exodus was the most earth-shattering, tumultuous, redemptive, wonderful event to happen in history when Israel was taken out of slavery. But there was one event... That was even greater than that and that was our exodus from sin just as moses led the children of israel from bondage in the land of egypt jesus christ our savior leads us from death from sin from hell from the temptations of the devil he is the new and greater moses It was a time of great peril for the people of God Four hundred years had gone by Since Israel had last heard his covenant call Held captive in Egypt they cried God sent a son of Abraham To save them with power and might Israel found freedom one night. Then every tribe and nation heard the great works of the Lord. And all who sought salvation sang his praises with one accord. Someone I love to talk about when it comes to typology is David, Israel's greatest king. Israel was destined to have a king eventually. We know this because the book of Deuteronomy talks about the rules for Israel's king, but they jumped the gun before God had directed them to it. And they ended up with Saul, which, as you may remember, was a complete disaster. But David rose as both a type of Jesus Christ who was to come and a greater Adam so at the beginning of time Adam and Eve sin and God tells them that the woman's seed will come and crush the head of the serpent or the dragon who tempted them well David goes out to face Goliath who is described as being in all of this scale armor. He's basically described as a dragon, and he is the tormentor of Israel. They are terrified before him. David whacks him in the head with a stone, kills him, so he presumably crushes something in his head, not to get too graphic. Then he cuts off Goliath's head and takes it. That is a victory over the serpent. But David is also promised later by God that his sons will rule on the throne of Israel forever. His seed will always be kings. And so he is a greater Adam, but he is a type of the greater Christ who is to come. Jesus Christ, who defeats the serpent, the devil who tempted us and who died on the cross on a place called Golgotha, the place of the skull, that hill we think looked rather like a skull sticking up. And so if you think about it, the cross was driven into that hill that was shaped like a skull, literally a stake driven through a skull, an incredible foreshadowing and symbolism of what was happening at that moment to that old serpent. It was a time of great peril for the people of God. Four hundred lawless years passed. Though in their own land Israel was lost and cried for a leader at last. God sent a son of Abraham who slew his foe with a sling. And bringing peace throughout the land, ruled Israel as their king. Then every tribe and nation heard the great works of the Lord. And all who sought salvation sang his praises with one accord. The story of Daniel in the Den of lions might be one of the most butchered Bible stories ever, but when it's told rightly, it might be one of the most remarkable foreshadowings of Jesus Christ, the one who was to come. So Darius was convinced by a bunch of Babylonian and Persian leaders to put a law into place that for... 40 days, no one could worship anyone but him. Apparently he had a rather large ego. And he says, this is a great idea. I will be the only one that you can worship for 30 days. So the law is passed. And Daniel, who was brought as part of the Babylonian captivity many, many years before, he's now an old man, probably in his 80s. He prayed with his face toward Jerusalem and his window open as he had for something like 70 years. All he cared about at this point was the restoration of his people. So the law is passed the first day. Daniel prays and he's busted the second day. Darius realizes, "Uh uh-oh, I'm an idiot. They just convinced me to put this law into place so that I would have to go after Daniel. Daniel was one of his most trusted counselors. Darius spends a good amount of that day trying to get him out of trouble, but he fails. And so Daniel is cast into the den of lions. That den is covered with a stone and the stone is sealed with wax, with the symbols of the king and his nobles. That second night Daniel spends in the lion's den, God shuts the mouths of the lions And on that third morning of this whole saga, King Darius comes and says, Daniel, has the God whom you serve continually saved you? And Daniel said, O king, live forever. The Lord my God has closed the mouths of the lions. It's remarkable how similar that was to Jesus. He was arrested on that first day, brought before Pilate, a ruler who did not believe he had done anything wrong, put to death, laid in a tomb which was sealed by a stone, and came up out of there on the third day. And Daniel was also the person who was instrumental in Israel coming back from the Babylonian exile, what was left of them he went to Cyrus, we believe. He had been praying for many years for the restoration of the exiles to the promised land. And Cyrus, king of Persia, moved by God, wrote out an edict that the Jews were to go back and to build a temple and honor Yahweh in Jerusalem. Now, Not everyone came back. After that, the Jews remained scattered all over the place. And while the return from exile was a little bit like the exodus and re-entry into the promised land, it was very, very partial. The temple was a shadow of what it had once been and God, did not appear in person as he had in the days of the tabernacle and of Solomon's temple. Things were grim indeed. It was a time of great peril for the people of God. Four hundred years their kings reigned. God's judgment brought, and Israel was carried away. God sent a son of Abraham to speak to the conquering king, who brought them back to their own land, true worship of God to bring. Then every tribe and nation heard the great works of the Lord. And all who sought salvation sang his praises with one accord. It's into this world that Jesus Christ comes. The Jews have been scattered. There have been no prophetic voices for about 400 years. And finally, the last of the Old Testament or Old Covenant prophets, though he appears in the New Testament, John the Baptist, bursts on the scene and says, I am preparing the way of the Lord. Make straight his paths. He is coming. Jesus is the fulfillment of all These people. And you'll notice that sons of Abraham are vital throughout this song. Abraham was, in many ways, another Adam as well. Adam was the father of all. Abraham becomes the father of all who belong. To God he is the father of the nation of Israel but Jesus comes not only to redeem Israel but to redeem the world so everyone who accepts him is a child of Abraham that includes you and I Abraham could be called the second father of mankind and Matthew begins his gospel by talking about Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. So Jesus is the true son of Abraham that they've been waiting for for all these years. He is the true seed of Eve, and he is the true heir to the throne of David. That's the incredible thing about typology. God moves in history through all of these incredible patterns, and he shows again and again, this is how I will save my people. It goes far beyond symbolism. It proves that God is the Lord of history, and he was foretelling over and over again I will send my own son but it will be even better than all of these people that you have seen before you're seeing more and more but one day he will come and then all things will be fulfilled history will come to its turning point it was a time of great peril for the people of God 400 silent years passed Israel was scattered, their hope all but gone, and cried for a Savior at last. God sent the true Son of Abraham, He came as a poor, humble child. He came to redeem more than Israel's land to all who believe He gives life now let every tribe and nation hear the great works of the lord and let all who seek salvation sing his praises with one accord on friday i got to introduce my students to typology for the first time they're reading a novel called the k and it's about Two characters, Philip and Timothy, who survive a ship they were on being torpedoed and end up on a remote island. Philip is a young boy around 12 years old with a very racist outlook on life, though he goes blind not long after the ship sinks. Timothy is an elderly West Indian sailor, and he is black. Timothy loves Philip in the midst of Philip's reviling of him, Philip's disdain for him, and ultimately wins him to himself. He teaches Philip how to survive in his blindness, in essence teaching him to see without eyes. And ultimately, hurricane winds come. And so Timothy has Philip rope himself to a tree and then ropes himself behind Philip so that he takes the brunt of these hurricane force winds. And he is pelted by rocks and sand and who knows what else. When the storm is over, Timothy has been flayed by these storm winds. His back and his legs are just laid open. And Philip unties him from the tree, but ultimately Timothy dies. And it was for Philip that he died. I explain to them just how many ways the character of Timothy in the K points to Christ. The fact that Christ came to save us when we weren't lovable either. We were his people and we rejected him to the point that we murdered him. We were blind and we didn't realize it, but he showed us how to see. Ultimately, when he suffered, he was flogged with a cat or nine tails or something similar. And I was explaining to my students that that thing could tear a person up. A lot of people died from that before they even got to the cross. Jesus wasn't one of them, but there were things like broken glass and sharp bits of animal bone, things like that, that were designed to cut a person open. And that's what Jesus endured. And ultimately he died nailed to a tree it's powerful imagery and I believe that recognizing types of Christ in literature while not as vital as understanding it throughout the Bible and throughout history is a wonderful introduction to seeing the characteristics of Christ And it's also a wonderful training ground. We should be able to see Jesus Christ from beginning to end throughout the Bible, but we should also be able to recognize his characteristics in literature, in our lives. We should be able to recognize Jesus Christ anywhere we meet him. We should know what he has done for us, what he continues to do for us, how he redeems us. And anywhere we see those characteristics, we should recognize them. Ultimately, typology challenges us to know our Savior better, more intimately, on a deeper level, so that we could recognize him anywhere. It was a time of great peril for the people of God